0: I'm Steve McLeod, and this is Bootstrapped. It's a podcast for people running Bootstrapped software companies or wanting to run one. I run two Bootstrapped software products, Feature Upvote, which lets your customers vote on ideas to improve your product, and Sabre Feedback, which offers a feedback widget you can add to your website. Follow along as I learn from talking to other bootstrappers and experts. And just maybe you'll learn something too. Joining me today is frequent guest co-host Ed Freifogel. Hey Ed, how are you today?
1: How are you doing, Steve? It's... Um... It's been a rough month, I'm not going to kid you. We're here at the end of January and it's been a pretty tough start to the year. Tell so, us more, tell us more. Well, of course we're kind of living in the lockdown life, which as anyone who has kids knows, that's that's not not enjoyable. I have two, so that's a struggle. And I guess, you know, I was kind of hoping in years past, as the new year starts, it's kind of the time people start new projects and and we typically see kind of an uplift in customers as opposed to December, which is, you know, is typically a quiet period. But this year, actually, I I really feel like we're starting to feel the economic effects of the, the lockdown and the virus and everything. And um, it's been a pretty rough start. We've had some cancellations, some downgrades, and like even ominously in Stripe, you know, which we use for billing, we see all the charges come through and lots of charges failing due to insufficient funds. Um, so that's kind of rough, man. And it, it kind of suggests to me that, you know, the impact of the virus has finally trickled through kind of to the mass economy, I think. And you really see people are kind of, penny pinching and and tight with the budget. So.
0: so is this to the point of putting your business in danger or this is just like a
1: hurting growth? No, it's hurting growth. It's hurting growth. It's also frankly, it's hurting my mental state, I have to say. <laughs> so the combination, you know, like you know, our smallest customers are, you know, $50 a month. So it's not a big deal when we lose a $50 customer, except for the the mental impact. If like every day, you know, you're getting a 50, you know, every day. It's almost like the mental impact of a customer canceling. It's the same, whether they're a big customer or yeah. a small customer. So, no, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, economically, we're still doing fine. It is slowing growth, but it's more just kind of demoralizing, you know, particularly, it's winter, it's bad weather, you're kind of trapped in the apartment and, you know, the bad news is coming in. And it's a struggle, man. It's a struggle. It'd be interesting to see aggregated
0: data from somebody like Stripe to see whether they were actually noticing a significantly measurable increase in credit cards being failing to charge and stuff like that. The stuff we would never be able to see on a mass scale and Stripe would never tell us, but it would be fascinating to see that.
1: That would be very interesting, actually. I don't know. I do feel like we, we definitely are seeing more failed payments or, you know, more customers we have to chase that they pay mm-hmm. and it's just, it's just it's tedious and it's, it's hard work and it's fine. I mean, that's part of running a business, but you need it to be offset with the occasional successes. And right now it doesn't yeah. feel like we're having a lot of successes. So well, I hope that does pick up for you soon, yeah. at least if the, the
0: cancellations tail off a bit. No, I used to have this desktop app and we I never really knew how the month was going until it was over because it was a once-off sale and, you know, maybe one day there'd be five sales, another day it would be up or down. But there was never really any real picture I could ascertain until the end of the month data came in. And I never realized that actually for the mental well-being, that's probably a better approach than SaaS where you're getting this this stream of data about every single transaction coming in every day and, and you're watching your MRR go up and down almost in real time. I, I wonder if there's some value in not being able to see that data at your fingertips every single hour
1: of every single day. Yeah, there's probably definitely some truth to that. I mean, like, I do do that with regards to other data, like you know, analytics of the website or number of signups or whatever. Honestly, I don't, I don't check it daily or even weekly. I, you know, I kind of check it on an ad hoc basis when maybe my probably monthly I always do. But yeah, that's an interesting question. Maybe we should turn off kind of Stripe alerts and because and, well, we yeah. have every, every transaction going into, into Slack, mm-hmm. you know. Good
0: luck actually managing to convince yourself to do that. It's the same addiction we have to all the notifications on our devices and so on. Like, It's tough yeah. to turn it off, even when you know it's not helpful. It's like, But you probably have some stocks, right, or some indexed funds. Do you check them every day or you just look at them once
1: a month or once a quarter? That's no, the approach. You, you know what? I'm quite disciplined there, learning through harsh experience, of course. Like When I first started working, boy, I was in my early 20s. And so the first time I had any spare money, I bought yeah, I'm like all right, let me start investing. I bought some stocks and of course they immediately plummeted. And so then, you know, I kind of, you know, investigated this more and did some research and I'm a firm believer in the, you know, set it and forget strategy. Just have funds, low-cost, low-tax funds and I check that literally once every 6 months. There you go. Um, That's probably not
0: often enough for checking your tax
1: information,
0: but it's really just something to be said for
1: not having your the information at your fingertips. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. I just, it's, it's just a struggle because right now it's like, it's on all fronts, you know, like personal life, you know, with the limitations of, of lockdown and then combined with, you know, bad, bad news in the business or not really bad news, but like, you know, no visible successes. And then you combine that with bad weather and then you got you know, insurrection in the US and, uh, you know, it's just, I'm ready for some good news. (laughs) Me too, Ed, me too. Well, the good news is we are slowly getting
0: vaccinated, slower than I would like, but I'm hoping that'll ramp up soon.
1: No, that is true. I have started, I now know people who have gotten vaccinated and you start to hear about it. And I do hope, obviously we all hope it goes faster, but it, it does seem like an end is in sight. So that is good news.
0: Hey, Ed, I have some feedback on the last episode we recorded together. That was episode 164, a Sabre feedback update, in which I told you how Sabre had gone for the last three months. Okay. So on our bootstrap community, the user Unboot wrote this feedback. When I ran a feedback sas, I had the same customers coming and hoping that by installing a feedback widget on their site, they would magically get great customer insights from random visitors which is kind of, you know, where I've been trying to do things. He said one thing which helped was to write and show how-to articles where and when a feedback widget makes sense. Their best customers installed the widget on the post-checkup page, for example. He wrote an article about this, and he wrote about that and showed a mock-up example, and he recommended that as something to me to do. Hey, this is kind of where you're at, right? In your business, you have these really helpful how-to articles.
1: We do, um, but more as as a marketing approach so that people, you know, for SEO and things like that, people have a problem, they search for a solution to the problem, and then hopefully they land on one of those pages, and it's kind of top of the funnel. But I think the point he makes here is very good. It's very, in your app or in your service, if you have a natural kind of dead end, so like a point where the customer, they complete a task or something, and they've reached a point where it's not You know they finished one thing, and now it's like, what should they do next? That's a very good time to then inject something and say, "Okay, you just finished this thing. Congrats! Would you like to give us some feedback, or would you like to tell your friends how great our service is, or whatever?" You know, and I think there's a lot of value in thinking that through. Think through the flow, and like when someone's in the checkout process. You don't want to uh, interrupt them and and give them mm-hmm. a feedback, which you know you want to like. Those are pages you definitely should not have that. You want them to just get through to the the purchase button. Exactly. Once um, the
0: purchase is complete,
1: then you start asking exactly. for other things. Yeah.
0: Exactly. You so, know what I want to do is make some little videos showing how to use saber feedback in various ways. And a problem I've had until until last night, actually, is I've had no quiet space to record. Okay, we're obviously talking right now, I'm recording this, but this is in my daughter's bedroom and I have to like kind of work around her nap times and her play times to get access to this room. That's the only quiet space in the apartment. Well, last night we signed and paid the deposit on a new apartment, which has two additional rooms and I'll finally go back to having my own office where I can record videos and podcasts to my heart's content.
1: Congrats, man. When do you move? Soon or,
0: or? Well, we have the keys already, so we could actually start moving today, but we have to still pay the rent on the existing place to place for another month. So we'll gradually move over the next couple of weeks. Well done. Well done. So that was a major thing I've been working on ever since we got back from Australia eight months ago, seven months ago, trying to find
1: a better apartment. And we've been going mad looking at places all over, but finally we're there. That's great. You never, you never realize how much stuff you own until it's time to move it. So oh, tell me about it. Hey, some more feedback we got on the previous episode
0: on, on, uh, number one sixty four. Uh, it's from a Swedish gent. And I'm going to mispronounce his name, but I'll do my best. Kiel Acker wrote a blog post in response to the episode with his own ideas for how I could improve conversion for Sabre feedback. Now, this blog I like, not the blog post. The blog post is great, but the blog too, it has exactly two articles, two blog posts on this blog. One is stated 2008 and one wow. is stated 2021, which is the one for giving feedback on our um, my podcast episode.
1: Well, you don't want to rush it, <laughs> Steve. You know, you got to, sometimes it takes some time for the ideas to percolate and, you know, and you know, run, so, run run, on your own schedule, not on... on I'm just so uh-huh.
0: impressed with this selectiveness. You know, a lot of us with our blogs, we just maybe we put in too much content, but he can't
1: be accused of having done that. Well, I mean, it's cool that he took the time to write a post just about your product. That's awesome.
0: It is. And he gave some really good advice. He first of all suggested I consider a free tier, like a freemium version because his his thinking is that we have a powered by Sabre feedback link on every form and it would be a way to get that link in front of a lot of people, a lot of people very quickly. I personally am not in favour of going freemium when I'm running as a bootstrapper. I know some people it works for them. Uh, what's your thoughts on
1: that? Well, we do have a freemium service. It has pros and cons, of course. There are people who try to abuse the freemium service. That was a big topic kind of over the last year, and we finally managed to crack down on that via all kinds of captures and stuff as ways to prevent signups. I don't know. There is some merit to... In in your case, I would imagine with Saber Feedback, one of the biggest hurdles right, is that the person actually takes the time to install it on their site. Mm. So anything I, i'm guessing but anything you could do that would reduce the barrier to them getting it installed because once they have it installed you know the likelihood that they're going to swap it out for someone else is slow yeah so you know can you get them to install it is it by having it free at the beginning it's easier to get them to install it and then you're able to convince them to eventually become a customer i don't know it might be worth experimenting with
0: he also gave some more advice. He said that uh, we should improve the powered by link. He says it's just currently a plain text link. And he did some mock-ups showing how I could replace it with our logo and make it more about branding. So that if somebody sees this like same feedback widget in two or three different places, they start getting a mental like idea of this being a, a strong brand. And, he, yeah, his mock-ups were great. I really liked them. So now instead of just saying powered by Sabre Feedback, it's powered by logo. And yeah, color. sure. That's and, fantastic. Yeah, and, I, and also he suggested putting our logo in the actual feedback button that's floating on the side of the page. Well, now that I have a designer working with me on a regular basis, I just threw it over to him and he mocked up some great alternatives and we're in the process of going ahead with adding that to our feedback button. So this was really great feedback. I really
1: appreciated it. Yeah, if all the listeners could now write some blog posts about my service, that, that would be great. So, Should we make it amazing. a requirement? If you're listening, we now require you to write a blog post telling us how to run our businesses better. No, I mean, really amazing that the guy took the time to do this, and that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I'm just now looking forward to his next blog post in 2034. Again, you don't want to rush it, Steve. <laughs> you, know, you can't rush these things. So. and. I also have a listener question. we got lots of feedback for this episode. Uh, actually, the, the listener question has nothing to do with Sabre feedback. It's, I think it's referring to an episode from maybe back in March or February. Well, he writes, you mentioned in a podcast episode that one of the mistakes you made is not to have a mentor earlier. You here is me, Steve. Assuming you have a mentor now, could you provide some details on how it works? How does one find a mentor? How do you work with them? Are you supposed to pay? Do we need to provide reports for mentors? any information would be highly appreciated. Well, Ed, I know my answer to this, but, but do you have any thoughts on
1: this? My primary mentor is there's this site that some guy, I've never met him. He's a guy in Sweden. He writes a post once a decade. And, <laughs> and of course, I'm kidding. So first of all, I do think it is a good idea to have, let's say, mentors or advisors Yes. I mean, it's great. I mean, the best thing you can do is learn from someone who's kind of gone before you and, you know, has achieved the goals that you want to achieve. Obviously, there are different ways that you can structure that. That could be through a clearly defined mentorship relationship. It could be through a mastermind group. something like that more of a peer type structure. Um, it could be a paid relationship where you pay someone to, to kind of coach you, mentor you. And I think that has a lot of merit, the same way people pay for a a, a personal trainer when they go to the gym. Right. Mm. And because mm. it makes you take it more seriously, obviously you, you need to balance, you need to figure out what your situation is and what makes sense for you. I can, you know, maybe go into some detail. I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I can say a little bit more about what I do actually.
0: I think um, you mentioned briefly when we talked about like tips for bootstrappers, you mentioned about your monthly report.
1: Is that something yeah, so, we can talk about? Yeah, yeah. So once a month, my co-founder and I, we draft kind of a one-page kind of summary of the month. And it has a few key numbers, really very few. And we mail that out to a select kind of group of advisors that we've chosen. And I say clearly at the top that people should, um, you know, so in the the email, we kind of define here. Here's what we're working on. Here are the issues. Here's what went well. But we could, you know, we do everything possible to keep it under one page because I don't expect people to invest a lot of time and effort and you know and then i invite people Look, like, if you have something to comment or you know, and sometimes we'll say like look we're having this problem can anyone recommend a solution and anyway then we invite the advisors to if they have something useful to say please get in touch and if they don't then that's also fine you know i don't expect people every every month to, to respond um but the this letter the this email that we write it serves a couple of key purposes um, so one is of course to solicit the feedback but another key point is that it forces my co-founder and I to get on this literally on the same page and that's quite useful when when you have a partnership like that because the worst situation you can have in the business is when one person is going in direction A and the other person is going in direction B and so it kind of really forces us to get to agree and in our emails always like here are the things we're working on next month you know one two three and so we have to come to agreement about what those things are but we do often get very useful feedback from the advisors i wouldn't say it's a a mentorship situation but sometimes then if, if we're having a problem in a certain area then some sometimes the advisors say like oh you know i can help you with that let's do a call about that and whatever and then we go deeper on that um I, what i like about this arrangement is we have actually quite a few people on the email and so you get a diverse kind of you know group of experiences and perspectives rather than just one person's on the other hand it's not the same as a kind of a one-on-one long-term relationship where you you know spend an hour each week with someone or something i thought so
0: how do you find those advices
1: some of them the list has grown over time and so some of them are just friends and who don't really know about our industry or whatever, but who, you know, they just like offer kind of general common sense and, and maybe general business thinking. Then some are people from the industry that, that I've worked with in the past or whatever. So, you know, and, and uh, you know, when I think someone would, it would be interesting for someone and and they could help us, then I ask them, do they want to be on the list? And so I think people enjoy it as well. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and likewise, I'm on a similar on similar type emails for several companies, and it is interesting. I always look forward to them and I always read them carefully, you know, what happened in that person's business. Um, so it's it's kind of a good model. I guess you probably don't want to overdo it. You know, I wouldn't want to have yeah. 100 people on the list or whatever, but
0: well, I'm going to make an offer here to thisness. If if you like this idea of sending out a monthly report to a set of advisors and you'd like to include me on it, I'll do that. Just just contact me and you can add me to the list. And uh, maybe sometimes I have some helpful feedback. But again, it's just really good to have that a discipline of having to write a very short email at the beginning of every month to some outside people saying this is what we did and this is what we're gonna do.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, Steve, this conversation actually I, I realized I think it was two days ago, maybe three days ago, you know, our, our mutual friend Craig Hewitt, the founder of Castos, who, hmm. who was also a co-host here for a while, he in, he has a, a podcast called Rogue Startups. And I think in this week's episode, he has as his guest the guy who is his mentor slash coach, and they talk specifically about this type of thing. And I'm, I'm not sure what their relationship is there. they have there. I don't think it's a, it may be like a, a paid relationship, but they, they talk about some of the points around mentorship and, you know, when it might make sense and how to structure that. So I can recommend that episode to everyone.
0: Okay. This is with ADP now. is this the one okay i just looked it up right now okay 80 is a good guy i met him uh, a few years back really really interesting i
1: think think craig has a regular kind of call with him as his kind of coach and stuff so great so thanks for your answer ed
0: i'll give my my attempt to answer the same question about uh having a mentor some details yeah my experience with this goes back to when I ran a IT consultancy a long time ago and I didn't have any mentor and I suffered terribly from stress from that time. I was hardly sleeping, I was had lower back pain and I eventually, when I got out of the business and all that went away, I, I realised that that was the business doing that to me and I had no mentor. I was just making things up as I went, had nobody to spill my problems with. My friends at the time didn't really seem to understand what I was doing. They just assumed Steve has an IT business, therefore he's really rich, whereas they were actually all any more than me because I wasn't running the business very well. So I was really isolated and I realized that was a big problem. And when I started again with what I'm doing now, I made sure I had people who understood business who I could just talk to and they could just hear half the problem and they understood all the rest of the details. You do that kind of on an ad hoc basis, or you do that as yeah, a ad hoc. And actually, one one person in particular, he's a friend who's I guess almost a generation older. So he's sold his business for a lot of money. He's now retired and spends his time doing his hobbies, doing really interesting hobbies. And he, whenever I meet up with him, eventually in the conversation, he'll ask me how business is going. And I know with him, when he asks me this, it's not being polite. He actually wants me to tell him a very specific business problem. And then we'll work through it together. It's really great. And
1: that ad hoc process, that casual attempt is what works well with my personality. It is interesting to hear other people's challenges and problems, you know, and offer your advice. It's, it's fun.
0: And you know, he knows nothing about SaaS. He's his skill set is like tangently related to IT. So he understands some of the concepts, but this idea of the subscription model where we just charge a small amount every month, completely alien to him. So he's also not coming in with like preconceived ideas of how you must do it, which is I find really helpful. But one time in particular, I think when feature upvote was just starting to get traction, and I could see it was going to work, but it wasn't yet enough to live off. And I was starting to get that stress again in my lower back. And I just told him, like, over a couple of glasses of wine. And he asked me to explain to him how the business was causing the stress. And just the process of explaining this kind of made me realize that I was over-worrying and it wasn't that big a deal and and that things were actually on the right path. And this I like. And yeah. somebody willing to listen, you know? Someone willing to listen.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that has a lot of benefit. I mean, it's like the case of when you... Also, you know, in programming, you have some bug and you go over to someone and you're the, they're like, okay, explain the bug. you know, like, can I get some help? And they say, okay, explain the bug. And then as soon as you start explaining it, you find the solution, right, without the person uh-huh. ever actually uh-huh. saying rubber ducky, so, Rubber ducky debugging, okay. Joel Spolsky called that. Exactly. Um,
0: so the idea of how do you find a mentor, I'm afraid I don't have a good answer. I just happen to be somebody with quite a big network of friends and, I go to a lot of events and so on. I met this guy at an event, actually.
1: Yeah. I mean, one final comment on that. I know this is a reason that for some people, it's kind of the motivation to uh, join an accelerator program or something like that, because Mm -hmm. through doing that, you typically get a mentor, you know, you get mentors, you get people who literally are invested in your success and then create, if they're doing it well, create structures where you kind of have to give a report and get the feedback and... So that might be a reason that, you know, people typically weigh up the decision of doing an accelerator or something that only about the money, but there are benefits around getting mentorship. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree.
0: Okay, so moving on, do we have time for me to give you a feedback on uh, a progress report on Feature Up version January?
1: I, I think, uh, come on, definitely. Let's do it.
0: So... As per your business, it's also been a quiet month for us. We haven't had as many new customers signing up as we normally would have in January. Now, it's a little bit bothersome, but we're still increasing MRR, so it's not stressing me too much, but it has given me time to work on getting the feature upvote enterprise plan going. Ed, You may remember when we laid out our goals for 2021, one of mine was to get enterprise sales happening. Well, okay. I figured, why why wait? Why not start this already? And any sales yet? Kind of, kind of. well done. They, they haven't signed. They haven't given me money. But it looks like this is going to start in the beginning of February. And we're talking on the 29th of January. Let me tell you the things I've done to, in order to get this enterprise stuff going. Because it's a long process. Right, sure. The first step was to adjust our pricing page so that we have an enterprise plan listed there with the contact us pricing, but it sp- states very clearly who needs the enterprise plan. If you want to pay by invoice, if you want uh, custom legals, if you want priority support, if you want security audit, et cetera, all of this stuff, it says, then you need our enterprise plan, making it very clear,
1: helping people separate themselves into standard or enterprise. And do you do you list a specific price on the enterprise plan or is it more contact us and then depending it's con- on your
0: needs? Yes, contact us, depending on your right, needs. No. If somebody just wants to pay by invoice, then we're we're going to charge them like not much more than our standard plan, but they'll have to pay yearly. But if they want a security audit or custom legals, then, then we're right. charging a lot more because that really impacts on our workflow. And, sure, uh, sure. Yeah. So we ha- I haven't quite put together a, a schedule of pricing. I'm going to make it up as I go. <laughs> I don't solve the problem until I need to. Right, right. Now- once I had the enterprise on the website, I figured, well, enterprise plans usually have like a special form for people to fill in. Again, just the way to separate, to give people a way to separate themselves. And so I put up a contact us form on the URL, com slash enterprise or something like that. So I can also measure in the analytics if people are actually going to that page. And uh, someone's filled in the form um, and asked for some the next step which was a bit of a problem because i realized i didn't actually know how to respond to somebody what saying, is the next step <laughs> so actually i i contacted one of our contemporary podcast hosts matt the guy from i think it's called summit oh yeah he seems to know a lot about enterprise sales so i just asked him like i've got this query like what do i do and he helped me come up with that kind of what step. is the
1: next step yeah, what
0: exactly, is the next step matt? exactly it's like oh God damn it, what have I done? I don't know how to do this. This is like having a mentor. He was like acting as a mentor for me, going back to the previous topic. So he he gave me an answer I could send off to them, but also an approach I could take into the sales call and what I want to get out of it. And know that I'm not actually trying to sell, sell initially, I'm just trying to listen to what they need. And then I get off the call and I think about whether I should just recommend a standard plan to them anyway or whether I should put together a, a special package Okay, that sounds clever, yeah. And then I am using money to help solve the problem. So I purchased the SavvyCal subscription. You're familiar with SavvyCal, right? I think I heard you mention I, it somewhere. I
1: am a SavvyCal customer, and um, SavvyCal is a tiny seed uh, company. I, I use it a lot, especially for my, my podcast, for scheduling the um, you know, the interviews and things. works really well. So- I highly recommend it.
0: Listeners, you might know Savvy Cal, it's similar to Calendly or You Can Book Me is another one from our bootstrapping world where you send a link to people and they can book a time in your calendar from this link and you can control availability and so on. So I've never used anything like this and because I keep seeing Savvy Cal get praise, I thought I'd give it a shot. So I bought a subscription for that and it's amazing
1: watching people go and book times and taking it from there. Oh my god! I would highly recommend this to anyone because it you save so If if you have to coordinate a lot of meetings, you should definitely be using software like this because it just saves you so many hours of of tedious emails back and forth. Like, no, I can't do Tuesday. Can you do Wednesday? Instead, you just send them this, and they book. So, and I think it adds to the
0: professionalism. Yeah. Then I purchased a Zoom subscription. Something I thought I'd never do, but. With Zoom, if you're having more than two people in the meeting, it just cuts you off after a certain amount of time. Then I figured I can't be doing that in an enterprise sales meeting. So I purchased that. Uh, I found a lawyer who specializes in SAS and GDPR. So she overhauled everything on our website in the area because this is also part of my enterprise plan is this is if you want custom data processing agreement, which is part of GDPR. So she's done that. She seems to be very good. I'm very happy with the work she's done and her approach. And I actually did my first enterprise call. Actually, this was uh, somebody who contacted us, not through the contact us form. And uh, this went really, really well. I I was very nervous going into it. So I had to tell myself in advance, don't talk, listen. Don't talk, listen. And listen, I did. And after the call, they contacted me and said they're uh, just sorting out the, the paperwork internally. And I uh, saw so the first or early February they should be going ahead and as a paid customer. Well, well done. Sir. Well done. Cool and, and that will be, I think, uh, highest monthly subscription of any customer we've got. That's awesome. That's a great start to the year. Of course,
1: I shouldn't celebrate until they actually do sign, but yeah,
0: that's where I'm at. So yeah, anything no, you... in no, from here and no the-
1: Steve, Steve, you don't celebrate until the money is actually in your account. Because <laughs> right. yeah, like, until you have been through the accounting system of some... I don't know how big a company this is, but uh, do not celebrate until you actually have the money. It could be a nightmare getting through someone's accounting system. even if Even if the people you're dealing with want to pay and all that kind of thing it can be a real struggle so So
0: my thinking is this will actually take some months until we actually have a serious type of um chain of leads coming in from the enterprise plan but i think i have this stuff in place now i think i used january wisely to take advantage of this quiet time it sounds like it so and i wouldn't have done this if we hadn't got on the podcast a month ago and stated our plans for for 2021 it forced me to think about what i wanted to achieve and then once i'd written it down it's like well I've got to go ahead and do it then well, well i mean that's awesome you should be proud thank you you know i didn't ever want to do enterprise when i started feature Upvote. i wanted it to be self-service only but the amount of times i've actually had to swap people off who have been asking for stuff that really deserves to be on an enterprise plan i, I figured
1: it was time if customers want to pay you i mean it seems silly to say no so
0: on that note, should we uh, should we call it quits for today?
1: Yeah, man. You know, I, I'm glad to end on a positive note with your success there on enterprise, and uh, hopefully that bodes well for the coming weeks and months. So, thank you,
0: and I hope you have a better February for uh, your mental state if, with regards to uh, MRR and so on. let see.
1: Hopefully, some listener out there will dust off the old blog after a decade or so and, and dash off a post telling me what to do so our expectations have been risen (laughs) have been increased (laughs) all right take it easy okay see you Ed see everybody bye
0: that concludes this episode of bootstrapped you can discuss this episode and other bootstrapping topics on our forums at discuss.bootstrapped.fm